Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Mike Kegley. Tonight we have Kane Robb, who is the host of Locked On Golden Gophers. He is going to talk to us about the Minnesota Golden Gophers and what the Fighting Illini are going into as they travel up to Minnesota on Saturday for a really important road game as they try to win three out of the next four games to see if they can get to bowl eligible. Not an impossible task, but for a team that has not won more than one in a row, won't be an easy task either. We will be right back after these messages. Are you looking to grow your business? Do that with the Illini Guys Radio Network by broadcasting on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We have over 20 stations, including stations in Chicago, St. Louis, Champaign, Decatur, Springfield, Bloomington, the Quad Cities, Rockford, Peoria, Marion, Quincy, and Jacksonville, amongst others. You can reach over 11 million people in the state of Illinois by partnering with us. Send me an email, mike at IlliniGuys.com, and let's find a way that we can build your business together. Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Mike Kegley. Tonight we have Kane Robb. He is going to give us a preview of the Golden Gophers. Earlier in the season, a lot of Illini fans thought this would be a W with Brett Bielma's propensity to beat P.J. Fleck. But as the season has uh, drawn on, this is looking more and more like a oh, uh-oh game for the fighting Illini. Of course, Kane Robb, you can find him at Locked On Golden Gophers. That's on the Locked On Network. If you have not tried it, all your favorite college teams, pro teams, and just about any sport you can think of, pro pinochle, I mean, you name it, it's out there. Um, you can get your favorite teams and keep track of them. And he's also a collaborator at Minnesota Rivals. So he's going to give us uh, a little bit of a preview of what Illinois is going to be walking into up in Minneapolis. Kane, how are things going? How, how are things going up there? You know, things look to be going better than it had initially looked for us, especially after that Northwestern loss. Things are, I had so many comments on today's show that were people like, I was almost completely off the bandwagon, but I think I'm back on. So I think people are starting to breathe a little bit easier after these last two wins. But that being said, there is still at any moment, something could go wrong. So I'm still tentative as we continue forward. Yeah. There's a certain beauty of being a fan of Illinois, Purdue, Northwestern, Indiana, Minnesota, where you're, you're always waiting for the trap door to fall you know, and, and, you know, it's like, you know, am I going to grab the idol and then where's the boulder going to come rolling at me from? So <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a shared tradition when you're not one of the big, the big two in the big 10 to try to figure out what's going to happen next. Um, the, now, obviously um, Minnesota had, uh, you know, a, they had a, an interesting end to their game with Iowa. What were your thoughts on that controversial play? You know, in the moment, I couldn't believe what was happening. In the moment, I was like, I thought they were reviewing because of the score, because every score is reviewed, right? Yep. So everyone's talked about like, oh, they were reviewing to see if he stepped out or, oh, they were reviewing because of this or that. I thought they were just reviewing because of the score. And then they saw the invalid fair catch signal, which technically is against the rules. Now, if the roles were flipped and it happened in Minnesota, would I be ticked off? Absolutely. I'm not going to act like I wouldn't be. But the rules are the rules. Now, 
I've heard the Cooper DeGene was trying to keep his balance. That seems a little silly to me because these are world-class athletes, regardless of what, what people might be able to buy right off the top, but it was a great play that never happened. Now there were little parts of it that have come out after. And even the big 10 has said on the front end of that uh, punt play, the one of the Iowa defenders or people trying to block the punt actually leaped the I can't remember what they're called, but basically the three that go to defend the punter. Yep. You can't leave your feet with those guys. That's an immediate penalty. So technically the play shouldn't have even happened in the first place. Should have been a 15 yard penalty. Minnesota retains the ball. And we're not even talking about this. So because I get how sensitive it is, there was so much wrong with that play in general that I think the way it went is probably respectable, at least. Yeah, and that goes back to the mantra that I usually reserve for basketball season, but I'll go back to it one time. Illini guys subscribers know exactly what I'm going to say. But with over a billion dollars of revenue annually from their new television contract, pay these guys to be full-time referees. Let them work out and train. Put them through all sorts of video training have them work games in the off season, seven on seven, you know, at the highest levels, have them work AAU basketball for the basketball guys at the highest levels, get these guys, you know, in shape, relegate the guys who aren't doing well, bring up young guys, you know, I'm 56 and I know there's great people who are in shape at that age. I would not be one of them. But I do think that when you are dealing with the fantastic level of athletes that we see in the Big Ten, I really think you need to have um, men and women who are officiating games, who are in peak physical condition, who've also gone over these these type of scenarios via video training numerous times to help them be the best. Everybody's going to make mistakes. We know that. But with a billion dollars, you can afford to pay for some referees. Have you, do you have opinion on that? I mean, it sounds logical. I mean, you know that the NCAA likes to hold every dollar they can. So I'm sure they don't want to cash out for things like that, but it makes sense in theory. I can't disagree with it by any means. And I know how much goes into being a referee at the high school and D2 and D3 levels. So it makes sense. So I, I tend to agree with you there. Yeah, just that's that's my little personal soapbox. We all have issues that set us <laughs> off, but there was a couple calls over the last few weeks that, and, and it's across the Big Ten. I don't know that they're. It does seem that you you see less of those going against Ohio State and Michigan, but yeah. you see them going across the whole Big Ten. That there's there's opportunities for improvement. Now, speaking of of opportunities for improvement, as you said. Gophers kind of started off a little slow, and I think a lot of people really thought that at least, you know, um, a lot of people thought that, you know, you would the, the team was not going to uh, uh, have the best football season. But P.J. Flex seems to have turned this team around. Well, what has he done to kind of get everybody rowing in the same direction? Um, I think one of the biggest things is not 
hanging on to the lows or the highs. They've been able to kind of look at the next game mentality. And that's been his mantra since he's been here is that they're looking at this week. We're looking to go one and zero in the Illinois championship week. That's all it is. We're not looking past. We're not looking back at Michigan state or Iowa. It is this week and what is happening. And I think that has resonated a lot, especially with the younger players. So you talk about that mentality on top of the fact that we were playing 10, 11, between like redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen that are getting heavy minutes. And so they were making a lot of mistakes. And our quarterback is a young player as well, who's still making a decent amount of mistakes, but it feels like they're making less and less mistakes as we're moving forward. So the fact that they're able to capitalize and move forward with those critiques and learn from it, I think that's what's helping the Gophers start to put things together and not hang their heads in these difficult end of game situations like the Iowa, even in back in week one against Nebraska, there were moments where this team could have caved being how young it is and fighting through adversity of situations, but they've been able to stick together and poise has been the word from coach Fleck on this team. And I think that they show poise in a lot of different moments. There were moments where they still dropped the ball a little bit. And I looked to Northwestern and North Carolina. There were a lot of moments there where they didn't have that poise, but they're learning more and more. And it seems to be growing as they move forward. Now, of course, on offense, they don't have Mo Ibrahim, who arguably was one of the top backs in the country and certainly one of the top ones in the Big Ten over the last three years. What are they what are they featuring this year and, and what's the identity of this offense? It's still the ground game. As much as heading into this year that I was like, look, they brought in these transfer portal receivers. They've got their leading receiver back, a tight end pass catching weapon back. And it looked like their quarterback had shown the flashes last year. I was like, this team is going to pass more. Now, PJ Fleck has not had a team here in Minnesota, even the 2019 team that has cracked into the top 100 teams in the nation in pass attempts. It hasn't happened in the six and a half years that he's been here. I thought that was going to change this year, and I was foolish. They are still <laughs> running the ball like crazy, but they keep churning out really talented running backs. We get to week two of this season. True freshman Darius Taylor goes absolutely bananas. Three games in a row, he's leading the entire Big Ten in rushing yards. And then he goes down to injury. Then a redshirt freshman running back steps up in Zach Evans, and he looks like he could be being that kind of lead back as well. Then he goes down to injury. Darius Taylor comes back. He gets dinged up again. And we have our fifth string running back in this last game against Michigan State, who runs for 204 yards on 40 carries. So regardless of what I had imagined coming into the season, the run game will be featured no matter who is back there. And so that means that the tradition that P.J. Fleck has established of a powerful offensive line is still healthy. Yeah, I, he definitely prioritizes that offensive line. I would say that this line isn't as clean or consistent as the lines we've seen the last couple of years. There's definitely still gelling going on, and we're heading into, what, week 10 now? So I think there's still some things to be cleaned up there, but there are heavy moments where they don't – it's like a bend-don't-break mentality. Last week against Michigan State, there was some times where the offense looked bad in that first half. But then you get to the second half, and all of a sudden this offensive line is dominating and gassing out this Michigan State team. So I definitely think that conditioning-wise, they are there for the long haul, and they're going to make it work. But there are moments where they have collapses, especially in the pass-blocking game, where our quarterback feels a lot of pressure, and that's where things can go awry. And at quarterback, um, 
and I'm I'm Caliamancus. I'm I'm never going to pronounce that totally right. I got um, you. It's Caliac Manus. Yeah, Caliac Manus. Thank you. There um, you go. He, he's had some. You know, last year he had to come in and do some. You know, relief duty. Um, he, he's stepped up to the plate. How, how how has he done this year, and and has he exceeded expectations from Gopher fans? Um, so the quick answer to that is no, he hasn't exceeded expectations. I think a lot of people, especially Gophers fans, looked at that Wisconsin game last year where he put up 300 passing yards and started to develop the off-season unrealistic identity of he's going to do that every game. We're going to have yeah. a 300-yard passer every single game this season. And that wasn't going to be the case. If you listen to myself, you listen to some of the other media members in Minnesota, we were like, there's going to be ups and downs. He's going to turn the ball over. It's going to be a learning year. And it's been just that. But when the struggles came in the part of the Nebraska game, immensely in that North Carolina game and Michigan games, the struggles happened and all of a sudden fans were kind of bailing on him real quick. And now it feels like even when he is doing well, when he's showing progress, when he's taking care of the ball, making the right decisions, fans are still finding the flaws of like, well, he didn't do this or this pass could have been better. So I feel like he's taking a little bit more heat than he should, but there are the moments of brilliance off his back foot, dropping a dime across his body that most people can't make. And those are the things that you go, yeah, we got something here. And the more he puts things together, I talk about this season, how he's been basically playing a C grade on the season. There's been bits of A and B work and there's been bits of D and F work. But as we continue down this back half of the season, we need to get more A and B work and see that progression. And I think we have these last two games. So hopefully that will continue. But if you just look at a box score, you're probably going to be like, this guy's not very good. But when you watch him in person, you're like, okay, I can see why they keep him around. If he was to go down, who is the man who would be next man up in the uh, quarterback position? Yep. So it's a fourth year guy, Cole Kramer. He's a Minnesota local kid from Eden, or Eden Prairie High School. Um, he is very much, he's he's got the arm talent. Anytime we've had him in a spring ball or things of sorts, he is a very safe option, something you can have as a backup quarterback, but the upside isn't quite the same as a rusher or as those kind of, how did he do that type of throws? You're not going to get those types from him. I would liken him to more of your like standard college quarterback that could be a rock star at the FCS or D D two level, but here at the FBS D D one level, he's going to be serviceable. That's how I'd put it for it. Now, when you go out to the, to the receiving positions, you know, again, this is a team that doesn't pass as much. So you don't have the gaudy numbers, but what do they have out there in terms of talent, in terms of, uh, you know, how good are the guy's hands? And and is there any burners out there that really, you know, force the teams to to double cover and, you know, bracket them to make sure they don't get deep? Don't think you're going to see any burners from this team. There is one guy on the roster, but he hasn't seen an offensive snap all season. His name's Christian Hoskins. He was a, he's a redshirt freshman this year, but they haven't used him at all. The receivers that in this group, they're very uh, I guess, tactical type receivers. They run clean routes and they try to create separation, but it's nothing like anything that's like crazy or like some athletic freak type of receivers. But we've got Daniel Jackson, who has taken it to the next level. Last year, he led the team in receiving yards, 550 receiving yards and a handful of touchdowns as well. This spring, I was like, this guy looks like he's confident enough to take that wide receiver one role and run with it. 
and he absolutely has. I've actually been touting him over the last three days or so, but I went back to my show in August and I said, this is going to be the guy who leads us in receiving yards, leads us in receptions and has the most moments that make you go, how did he do that? And I feel like he has just made me look like an absolute genius out here in Minnesota. So I love it. But he's currently, I believe, fifth in receptions in the Big Ten, third in touchdowns in receiving wise in the Big Ten, and fourth in receiving yards on a team that doesn't pass the ball. His best attributes is how much finesse he has in his route running and his uh, releases that he creates separation in very intriguing ways. And he seems like he's always open and the connection between him and Ethan Calic Manis has only been getting stronger. The last two weeks he had 11 targets and 13 targets and he's cracked over a hundred yards in both of those games. But beyond him, we haven't seen very many receivers getting opportunities. Corey Crooms has had some here and there. And Brevin Spanford, who came in as a preseason All-American tight end, hasn't been getting it done, hasn't been getting very many opportunities. And when he was targeted in the early games, he was having some drop problems. Now, this last game, he came to life. He had about 40 yards on two receptions, also drew a big pass interference. He was getting more involved, and I'm hoping that the Gophers can continue to move with him as a secondary option moving forward to help this offense have more options. Yeah. And that, that, that's a, that's a really interesting uh, way. And you, even when you look at some of the the receiving records and some of the guys out there, you know, it is, it is interesting. You expect Marvin hair, you know, Marvin uh, Harrison jr. To be number one in the conference. And he is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I would argue that he should be the Heisman Trophy candidate uh, along with the best player in college football. Now there's a lot of people who would disagree with me and, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But when you look at, you know, Isaiah Williams of the Illini being in second place, Daniel Jackson in fifth place, and even, you know, um, looking at, uh, you know, Bryce Kurtz of Northwestern with what their expectations were this year to see number two, four and five that from teams that maybe don't really, you wouldn't expect that, you know, you would expect, you know, more people from Purdue, you know, maybe a, another Ohio State receiver, um, you know, Penn State. And obviously the only thing that you would really expect is to see no one from Iowa anywhere near the top. So <laughs> that's about the only thing we can bank on. Right, right. Offensively, how do you think they match up with uh, Illinois, who has at least of late been playing better defense? At least they did until Johnny Newton got thrown out of the game on a borderline call again, one that I think I could, I could see calling it helmet to helmet. I didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, it I, I saw a play where he tried to stop his hands, you know, and so it didn't look like he was trying to hurt anybody. So he won't be playing in the first half against uh, Minnesota. How do you think this team matches up with a Newtonless Illinois defense? I mean, with a Newtonless Illinois defense, I breathe a little bit easier because, like I said, this offensive line, especially when it comes to the passing protection, has had its struggles. So I could see Newton having a field day. So the fact that they only really have to focus on that for one half might be a little bit easier for Gophers' hands to swallow. But overall, I think it really depends. If our ground game can get it done, then Illinois could be in for some trouble. But our passing game has been hit or miss. So there has been opportunities where we're putting dangerous passes out there and we're turning it over. And P.J. Fleck has been really quick to bail on the passing game. I'm talking about last game. We were playing really well in the passing game. I believe Ethan was 13 of 18. So it's like 70% completion. 
But then in the second half, we had four passing attempts. And after he threw the interception, they didn't throw another passing attempt for the rest of the game. So if they're that quick to bail and this game becomes out of hand, it could be troublesome for the Gophers. But if the ground game can get going, then it might be a long day for Illinois. Yeah, that that's the part that, that scares Illini fans is that that's a good offensive line. And uh, Keith Randolph is expected to be back, but not guaranteed to be back. So you you hope one of the two of what Illinois calls the law firm is uh, available to to slow down that rushing attack of the Gophers. We will be right back after this break, and we will talk about the special teams of the Golden Gophers. Whether you live in Champaign or Chicago, halfway across this great nation or halfway across the planet, IlliniGuys.com keeps you in the know. Whether it's game results or what's going on in recruiting behind the scenes, IlliniGuys.com covers it. Only $99 a year, and you get a free seven-day trial to kick the tires. Go to IlliniGuys.com, click the register button that's right next to the seven-day free trial, and we'd love to have you as a subscriber. IlliniGuys.com. And as promised, we're back. We have Kane Robb. Of course, you can find him at Locked On Golden Gophers. And he also is at Rivals up there in Minnesota as well as a collaborator. We we look at this special teams group that's up there at Minnesota. How are they doing in terms of uh, the, the punting game? You know, outside of our, our field goal kicker, I think everything special teams has been pretty rough. I'm not going to lie to you. The punting game hasn't been able to flip the field very well. There's been moments, but usually it's with maybe a, 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 a lucky bounce our way or like extra few bounces. Outside of that, it has been rough, tough sledding. A lot of people have been asking questions of why is our special teams coordinator still our special teams coordinator? It's just been struggles year after year. And so when it comes to the punting game and the returning game, it has just been all sorts of not great. On top of that, I feel like we've had issues with like there were times where we in that Northwestern game per se, um, we had a great punt could have been pinned down at the one the, the the gunner on the end got out there to pin it down at the one and then took an extra step into the end zone and caught the ball. And everybody was like, what is happening? What are even his teammate kind of <laughs> looked at him on the broadcast and was like, what are you doing? Like, so just moments like that have continued to show themselves in the special teams unit. And it's not very great on its discipline. We've got a lot of penalties on that side as well. So hopefully they can clean it up, but it is an area of concern for the Gophers. Yes. And that's where Illinois has had, uh, they've got a, a good punter with uh, Hugh Robertson who has a propensity to knock the ball inside of the 20 of course, he's, you know, one of the oldest people in the NCAA. I think he's third oldest player uh, and, you know, Australian rules football player. So he's he's going to run around. He did he did get a kick block where he kind of held on to the ball a little too long, a little bit more confidence in rolling around and kicking on the run than maybe your uh, U.S. football player might have. And But for the most part, he's been pretty consistent. Illinois' kicking game has been pretty strong. Biggest issue they've had is they they are not a deep uh, team at, on the on the kickoffs. So uh, David Alano, the uh, f- five star freshman kicker, does some of the kickoffs and and he's good at getting into the end zone. He occasionally will put a little too much on it and and kick the ball out of bounds, which is never desirable uh, off of the kickoff. So um, 
that that's probably been uh, the 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 one weakness out of there. And Isaiah Williams uh, and had has had some nice punt returns, um, did really well, um, and so especially the last game. So he's he's actually started to pick up the pace there, and and so we're seeing a little bit more from the special teams from a return standpoint than we've seen in a while. That has been kind of a nice change. And we're, we're hoping that you can, as you said, flip the field a little bit because Illinois needs every bit of help they can. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that is something you can probably count on and is Minnesota not doing too great in that department. Now, uh, one, one thing before we get into uh, talking about the defense uh, how has recruiting been for Coach Fleck? You know, he's got a uh, high energy, um, a motor that doesn't quit, uh, you know, attitude. Is, is he getting the the type of classes that, that Minnesota needs to remain competitive out there? Uh, and, and, of course, I guess after we're done with that, maybe we can talk a little bit about how Minnesota fans feel about the addition of these four teams from the uh, left coast coming into the conference. For sure. I think recruiting, if you're looking at just solid, like what the ranking systems are saying these players are, you might be a little like, oh, it doesn't seem like they're doing too much special out there in Minnesota. We'll probably typically finish anywhere from 32nd to 48th in the recruiting rankings. But what I've been always impressed by is how much, I guess, they've developed really well into the system. It seems like they know what they're looking for in these players that fit their system and to bring out the best in those guys. You look at the guys that they've just sent to the NFL, Jordan Howden was a walk-on. And then now he is starting currently for the uh, New Orleans Saints. You look at Jack Gibbons who came in as a transfer. They've been really good with how particular they are in the transfer portal. They don't just try to take a bunch of people. They take maybe a handful, but most of those handful that they take each year become either heavy rotation players or starters for that next season. So I feel like this coaching staff has really gotten good at identifying what works for their system best and how to develop those players within it. So that's what gets me the most excited because we do have some four-star guys in this upcoming class and it's an offensive lineman in there. Coy Parrish, who's a safety who's now getting looked or offers from USC and Florida state. Hopefully they can keep him on hand, but it seems like they've been building some really good deep classes over last year's class and this upcoming class. And it seems like all these guys are really locked in. A lot of them are staying. I haven't seen too many flips or decommitments. I think we had one or two last year. And I think we've had one so far this year. So it seems like even though PJ's high energy, that might be in the Gophers favor a little bit because the recruits know from the jump, this guy is not for me or I'm all in. There's not that tentativeness of like, well, I kind of like it here, but I haven't seen other places. Most of the recruits, once they've committed, they're like, look, I feel this culture. I've been in the practices. I see how it runs and I want to be a part of it. Otherwise, they're guys that have come in here and they're like, nah, that's not for me. So maybe that helps the Gophers on why we haven't seen maybe as more decommitments or flips in the last couple of years. But I like how it's been progressing with how particular they are. Good, good. And you know, there's a lot of trepidation from Illini fans and, and, you know, behind closed doors, I would assume even Illini leadership has to look at uh, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon, a little bit of like, wow, you're bringing four powerhouses into the big 10. I'm personally, and 
you, people might want to, you know, hit the hit the hit the uh, record button or 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 <laughs> save this. But I look at the examples of Nebraska and the examples of Penn State coming in and not being the dominant forces that they were. And I wonder if if maybe again, I'm not saying these teams won't be very, very good. And and I also think the um, injection of offense into the Big Ten is not necessarily a bad thing for the evolution mm-hmm. of the of the conference. But I also think that the way the Big Ten plays plays ball um is going to take it's going to take a toll on those teams. And I don't know that I don't know that they're going to come through unscathed. And and I think that when they go through a Big Ten schedule, they're going to find out that, you know, playing the quote patsies, unquote, isn't as easy as what it may look like if you're, you know, listening to talking heads, you know, in Connecticut or in L.A., you know, in a broadcast studio telling you how easy it is. Right. No, I'm with you. I mean, like you hear about how the Big Ten West is so weak and it should be like a Mac conference. And you hear, you've heard it. We've heard it like everyone wants to talk down on the Big Ten West. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out real soon with these new additions. And like you said, we've seen additions come in before and not have the success that they were touted to be. Now, if I look at those four schools coming in, if I'm being 100 percent honest with you, especially looking at this year's rosters and how they've been playing overall ucla and uscc do not scare me those are teams that i think that will have some rude awakenings in the big 10 but they'll probably find some success and catch some teams with how high powered and passing their offense is but you look at caleb williams and them were playing cal this week and struggling their defense can't keep up and if anything matters in this big 10 it is defense and being able to slow teams down So I think those two might be in for a rude awakening or maybe less so than what they anticipate, but I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you. I think Oregon's going to be a force. I think they're kind of built to play the style of ball here and they continually always have that, that flavor of getting recruits there, whether it be the jerseys or something else, that Nike money, that's probably helping out in NIL. But I think Oregon is going to be a force right away. And Washington is the one that I just don't know how it's going to go because we've seen them have this, this huge surge this upcoming season and last season with Michael Penix at quarterback and this high-powered passing game. But Penix is gone after this year. Those wide receivers might be gone after next year. So how does it shape up? How are the recruits behind those guys? Or could they be in for a transition as well? The only one that I think I have a lot of confidence moving forward in from the jump is Oregon. Otherwise, everything else, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I don't know if Lincoln Riley is the coach for the Big Ten. We'll see. He certainly is going to have to get rid of the defensive coordinator that that a lot of Oklahoma fans felt was a problem at Oklahoma, and then Lincoln Riley took him off their hands and and brought him to USC. And of course, even before that, you know, he was at Ohio State and wasn't the most successful in the world there. So I, I'm 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 looking and thinking that there's an opportunity there, you know, to. Um, Lincoln Riley is going to need to decide that he wants to play some degree of defense. And that doesn't seem to be what he is very big on. We'll find out. (laughs) Well, Hey, we're going to find out about the rest of the Gophers team. We're going to talk about the defense after these messages. Make sure you subscribe to the full family of Illini guys podcasts, starting out with eye on the Illini. That's where you can listen to myself, Brad, Ked, Matt, and others talk about the recent Illini events that are in the news, 
Sturdy for 30 is Brad's award-winning podcast where you can hear 20 years of people that he's made contact with to talk about all things Illini and Ked's Recruiting Roundup where he talks to players, coaches, and parents about what it's like to be recruited. Make sure you subscribe to all of those so you're always in the know. And this is Mike Kegley back with Kane Robb, and we are going to finish up our discussion with a talk about the defense that Minnesota has, and then we'll talk a little bit about predictions for the game. Let's talk about that defense. They have been holding teams down the last few weeks in particular, but this defense is tough. They don't give away anything. Yeah, I think our run defense has been really staunch all season. Uh, I don't know if there's been too many running backs that have really carved us up on the ground, but they have been susceptible to the pass game in certain weeks, especially when you go back and you look at your North Carolina game where Drake May threw for over 400 yards against us. At that time, North Carolina was a top nine team in the country in rushing. And we were slowing that rushing game down. And then all of a sudden, Drake Bain was like, okay, I'll take these openings. And he absolutely picked us apart. And then you go on to Michigan, and Michigan just beat us up everywhere. I mean, Michigan looks like a whole nother team this year. Now, who knows if it's the signs or if it's something else. But outside of those two games and Northwestern, which just still baffles me to this moment, they somehow threw for, uh, I believe, 300, almost 400 yards on us. They had 519 total yards on us. Most of it coming in the third and fourth quarter. It was like that was a wake-up call. That paired with Michigan was a huge wake-up call for the Gophers. And uh, the leader, the safety on the defense, he talked after this last game, and he said that they've changed their mentality, especially in that bye week, to focus on a play-by-play mentality. They're not thinking about the next drive. They're not thinking about like, oh, this quarter we got to hold them to this or what. It is what is happening in that given play. How do we capitalize and how do we either put them back or how do we create a turnover, get the ball back into our offense's hands, but it's play by play. And if something messes up, shake it off next play. So I think ever since they've kind of changed that mindset, we've seen a lot more success. Now we've also played Iowa and Michigan state who aren't, burning the world down with their offenses. So oh, I was burning the world down with their offense. It's just in a different world. (laughs) Right. Right. So it'll be interesting because I I have a lot of respect for Luke Altmaier. I think that he has a lot of ability to find those openings and to get the ball to his receivers. Now, the offensive line, it seems like, hasn't given him a lot of opportunities to do that, being sacked so many times. Maybe he holds the ball a little bit too much, too. But I think he has the talent to get it done. So hopefully the Gophers can plug some more of these holes. Now, Cody Lindenberg, our second best player on the defense, he hasn't played a single game until this last week. Him being in that game showed, even though he he only had like three tackles in the game, you could feel his presence and the difference because he is the communicator in that uh, linebacker core. And so the redshirt freshman that we were playing there kicked out to the Sam linebacker or the Will linebacker at times, and he was playing more free and more instinctual and less thinking all the time, and it made a really big impact. And then the other linebacker, Devin Williams, has had his two best games in these last two games. P.J. Fleck said his Iowa performance is one of the best linebacker performances he's coached or he's like coached of a player in his time as a head coach. So the young players are making less mistakes and it's starting to click, which is making this defense a lot more dangerous because Joe Rossi is known for his adjustments, especially coming out of that second half. And they've been pretty dangerous in the second half so far. 
Michigan State had a little bit of a uh, a flash of life when they switched quarterbacks, and we took a little bit too long to adjust on that one. They scored, but then after that, it seemed like, okay, they had an adjustment for it, and then they started to not have as much success and turn the ball over once again, and the Gophers kind of wrapped that one up. So the adjustments have been great. The younger players are getting better, and the defense is starting to come to fruition. How, how good is the defensive line? The D-line th- this year – has really impressed me. We have a new defensive line coach in Coach Winston Dilatibadir. He's a former player of the Gophers, so he kind of already knew what the culture was here. But he went off to, uh, I believe he was at, I want to say Akron. I could be wrong there. And then he went out to uh, Oregon for a little bit, and he helped with their pass rush summit and things like that. And now he's back here, and he's really harped on the little details. So you saw flashes of things in the beginning, just natural talent, but it seems like the defensive line is really starting to understand the whys of what they're doing and how they use their body weight in certain positions or why they break on this way and things like that. And they're starting to create more pressure. It's not always getting home, but it's getting home more than we saw last year. Last year, this Gophers team had 19 sacks in 13 games. Right now, through eight games, this Gophers team has 16 sacks. So they're averaging about two sacks a game. But the the defensive line has been really impressive, especially on the interior. That was something I was worried about coming into the season, is it seemed like we had talent on the edge, but there was no pressure coming from the interior to force the quarterback out to the edge and hopefully complete on a sack. This interior D-line and Devin Eastern and Kyler Ba have both been clicking. They both kind of synced up in how they use their pass rushing moves, and it's starting to make a difference, especially in that on the quarterback, but in the run game as well. And and you talked a little bit about the linebackers. Let's talk for a second about the defensive backfield. How how has their play been? Uh, the safety play, we have one of the best safeties in the entire nation, and Tyler Newbin. He's been creating some good turnovers. Uh, he's uh, he can sometimes get a little bit too hero ball in moments and want to create a turnover or maybe get caught deep a little bit. That's happened on occasion, but not too often. He's pretty steady Eddie and like has held the fort down. But aside from him, there are some ups and downs. The outside cornerbacks, they both have been caught on some double moves at times. They can maybe be undisciplined and draw some pass interferences in these last couple games too. And so I think it's just, not getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. You just got to play consistent. So we're hoping to see more from Justin Wally, who's played since he's a true freshman. And he's he's a solid cornerback, but just has been caught every once in a while in bad positions. The nickel cornerback has been phenomenal for the Gophers. Maybe prior to Cody Lindenberg being back, the second best player on the defense, Jack Henderson. I believe PFF grades him out in the 80s, which is really good for a defensive back. He's had some turnovers. He's had some blitzes. He's all over the place, and he's been a force, so I'm excited by him. But the one thing I've been kind of nervous about is Darius Green, our other safety across from Tyler Newbin. He's been great in the run fits, but when it comes to him in pass coverage, he's made a lot of mistakes, and he's gotten caught. I think he was the one who actually gave up Michigan's Michigan State's only touchdown in this last game. He got caught in a couple games before that. It just seems like he gets caught on his heels or he doesn't. He's a late to the ball, and Minnesota usually ha- ends up paying for it when he doesn't fit that right coverage. So now we come down to the end of the uh, the end of the broadcast here. Who are you picking this Saturday? Uh, 
I'm still always tentative because I've already felt the heartbreak, but I will be picking Minnesota this week. I actually was trying to go and look at what the official line was because I haven't seen it yet, but I would say this is probably a one score game. Like, I think it's going to be a close one. I think the last time I heard about the line, it was a three point difference. Um, I I could see that I could be, see it being a field goal game because I'm really, really concerned about the running back injuries right now and who will be running. Now we saw Jordan Newbin, our fifth string running back held it together, but I don't think Illinois is Michigan state. And especially if Johnny New- when Johnny Newton's back in the second half, and if Keith Randall's back, we could struggle in that department. And then what happens with our offense? It's been so inconsistent that it makes me nervous. So I will go Minnesota by three or less. Okay. That's fair. I think, I think it's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a tight game. Um, I, I think Minnesota is capable, especially at home of blowing out uh, Illinois. If Illinois has a high turnover game, um, and then I do, I do get a little bit scared with uh, with Johnny Newton not being able to play until halftime. Uh, they've got to, they've got to keep it, uh, they've got to keep it close until until he can return. For sure. And it, it it gets a little scary when you when you look at that and you're like, okay, well, are they going? Some of your fears. Minnesota prior to like the end of the second half was going on like seven straight quarters of no touchdowns. So they can definitely go on cold spells when it comes to actually scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. So that might be something that could play in Illinois favor. If we can't actually punch the scores in. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what, what Illinois had Wisconsin and then went into a prevent defense right before the halftime and Wisconsin had went, I don't know, hundred minutes without scoring. And then, Illinois had 14 nothing lead and then decided to uh, anyway decided to go <laughs> with the you know run a run blitzes that didn't get to the quarterback and put a safety 30 yards 30 yards deep and it was just bing 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 down the field and all of a sudden a freshman quarterback who probably you know had they went into the half down 14 to nothing everybody would have been looking at him going dude this is Illinois how can you not score points against Illinois Instead, they went in the half high five and everybody going, well, now we know how to score. And the difference was was amazing. And then when Johnny Newton went out, you know, it, it in the fourth quarter, there was no excuse to right. collapse like that. But, you know, again, when you lose your, your best player like that, it just everything just turned and Illinois just didn't have the depth to to do that. But it looks like looks like uh, Minnesota looks like a two point five two point five uh, point favorite. So. Um, anywhere from two to two point five, but it's it's gonna it's probably gonna be a close one. Neither of these coaches is is um, both are very conservative, so they don't mm-hmm. tend to leave themselves open to be blown out very often. And right. I'm pretty I feel pretty confident neither of them has pictographs of the other team's calls, so we won't we won't have to worry about that happening either. <laughs> Any uh, final comments, anything that I didn't bring up or anything that you wanted to wrap with? No, just hopefully everybody stays healthy in this game. I feel like the injuries have been the only thing that's kind of taken away from some fun ones here. But overall, I'm hoping for a good game, a close game, and we'll see if PJ can exercise his uh, losses against Brett Bielema. He found a way to get it done against Kirk Ferentz. We'll see if he can go two for two this year against the coaches that have just been giving him a hard time. 
Well, with, of course, we hope not, but uh, <laughs> it's when when uh, Coach B went 0-3 against the three rookies in the uh, Big Ten West, I guess none of us really expected that. We thought maybe maybe one and two was the worst he would go. We were kind of expecting two and one, but, you know, it's been that type of year. But Illinois could still go three and one and make it to a bowl. But that's going to be some heavy sledding, and it means they've got to beat either Minnesota or Iowa on the road, and that's not a very easy thing to do in in the Big Ten. Well, for our hopes, we'll hope you take down Iowa on the road. That'll help there, us out a little bit. <laughs> there we go. Well, thanks so much for being on the show this week. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Are you looking to grow your business? Do that with the Illini Guys Radio Network by broadcasting on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We have over 20 stations, including stations in Chicago, St. Louis, Champaign, Decatur, Springfield, Bloomington, the Quad Cities, Rockford, Peoria, Marion, Quincy, and Jacksonville, amongst others. You can reach over 11 million people in the state of Illinois by partnering with us. Send me an email, mike at IlliniGuys.com, and let's find a way that we can build your business together. Thanks so much to Kane Rob for coming on tonight. He does a great job. Please reach out and listen to him on Locked On Golden Gophers. If you want to, this would be a great week so that you can hear what they're talking about and what the Golden Gophers are up to. But it should be a really good game. These two teams are evenly matched, and it would be nice to see the Illini pull one out of the fire and Brett Bielma continue his mastery over P.J. Fleck coach teams. We'll see this Saturday. Go Illini! Thank you.